Hello and welcome to another episode of The Code of Career with me, your host Cameron Blackwood. If you haven't come across us already, I'm an ex-technical recruiter who has now retrained and become a software engineer. This podcast is an opportunity for me to interview people from both sides of the table, as well as give a bit of my insight as well. This week's guest is Ethan Sumner. Ethan is a young DevOps engineer who's already had a massive impact on the industry and is working really hard to leave a positive impact as well by encouraging young people to get involved. So without further ado, let's get on with this week's episode of The Code of Career. Hey Ethan, thanks for joining me today. Uh, how, how are you doing? Good, thank you. How are you? Thank you for having me on camera. Oh, it's a pleasure, mate. It's a pleasure. Yeah, doing well, thanks. Doing well. Um, so for those, uh, for those listeners who aren't so familiar with you, do you want to give a sort of brief background about yourself? Sure. Hi, everyone. Uh, I'm Ethan Sumner. I'm a DevOps engineer at MasterCard. I'm an AWS Salesforce community builder. And as of most recently, I'm the founder of the Young DevOps community, uh, which is a community to help DevOps individuals with zero to five years experience accelerate their career. Um, I'm from Barnsley, a little place called Barnsley in South Yorkshire, and I currently work in London. Sounds very, uh, sounds very exciting, particularly the new initiative. Uh, so we actually met in quite a funny way. So we, we met um, a few years ago now because I, I was actually still a recruiter uh, at the time and I was working for an AI startup and I got an email um, from, uh, from Ethan uh, and it was very professional, um, just inquiring about the uh, AI industry in general and DevOps roles within it. Uh, and I thought like, wow, this is a really switched on email. Like this, this, uh, this guy must be graduating like next year, like, um, pretty impressive stuff. Like I really admire how proactive he is. I, I look him up on LinkedIn and then I start looking at the years and dates of school and everything. I'm like, Oh, this guy's like 16. Like <laughs> I do know any 16 year olds knew what DevOps w- was. So I was, I was pretty impressed. Um, I have to say, so we, we've been sort of keeping in touch since then. And it's been really awesome to watch your journey um into uh into firstly getting into the industry and now getting to the point where you're working at an organization like mastercard and now giving back as well through your new initiative so it's uh it's really exciting times so um yeah i figured let let's get things going with a few quick fire questions if that sounds good um so the first one as i alluded to um you're you're quite young in fact i think you're the first guest that's younger than me uh so this one might be quite a uh might be quite a current answer but what was your first computer my first computer was a, 20, a late 2013 iMac. Um, I did start with Apple, and I've been an Apple fanboy since. Uh, I currently own a tw- top-end 27-inch iMac and two 16-inch MacBook Pros, one personal, one for work. I definitely am a, a Mac fanboy. But yeah, I, was, I think I got it at the age of 11, 12. So pretty late to a fair few people. But yeah, uh, it was definitely, at the time, it was incredible. I loved it. I couldn't stop staring at it for a week after I got it. It was just like incredible. <laughs> yeah, it's something about that Apple design. Like I, I, I know they're expensive, but like honestly, it's sort of thing where if I just had unlimited budget, I'd have Apple everything. And uh, I literally, it's funny we're talking this because I literally just switched back to iPhone today. I got, I got the iPhone, uh, iPhone thirteen today, and I just, I, as much as I like Android and how customizable it is, it's just nothing beats the UX of Apple. Like they um they, they're just genius it is it, it's unreal and uh, i like linux and everything don't get me wrong but yeah i mean apple machines are uh, are just fantastic and um god that late 2013 answer is a bit depressing i'd already left school by that point uh- <laughs> yeah, definitely i mean at, at the time it was a huge sort of investment my parents in fact i remember saving up for like two three years of the year like all christmas birthdays and things and i, I remember getting it. it was a huge thing and uh, it was, I had it for five years and then I gave it to my sister and she had it for a year or two before she got her own MacBook. Uh, and we bought it, I think, for a thousand pounds. We ended up selling it for 500 quid. So although we had it six years or six, seven years, we, you know, we ended up, you know, not losing too much money on it because they do hold the value, which is a good thing about Apple products. Mm, yeah it's a very good point um so were you uh was kind of coding on your radar when you when you were that young or was it more that you really admired the design of the machines i think yeah it was that and to be fair i don't come from a very uh, i come from quite a technophobic family a lot of people think that <laughs> because i've been so young in my career that i don't know my parents are it engineers or whatever that was completely not the case uh my dad's in emergency services and my mum's in politics so um you know not tech related at all um, so at the time, I was like looking at different options, and uh, my mum had got an iPod for Christmas before, and, and me and my sister got iPads that year as well. 
So we just thought we'd stick with Apple because um, we didn't really have a family computer. So it was like the first sort of one that we got, which is pretty cool. <laughs> it just went from there. It's really good work uh, with, with, with a group, I find. Um, so I guess we, we talked a little bit about geography. You're working in London now. Um, you're from God's own country, Yorkshire. Um, what's your favourite tech city in the world? Is it Barnsley, London or somewhere else? Tech city? I don't know. I mean, if you asked me this a few weeks ago, I would probably say I quite like the look of, I mean, who doesn't like Silicon Valley to start with? But I'd say I quite like the look of Seattle because you're quite uh, strategically well located within America. You've got like different um areas of like forest to explore it's quite a diverse city it's not just like heavily built up and things so i do quite like seattle but uh, i've recently started going more down to london for work so i do have sort of a soft spot for london it is an amazing city um, i do love it down there seattle being one of the few cities that's rainier than london i think as well <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, for frequent listeners of the podcast, obviously no, um, you know, I, I spent a lot of time in London despite being <laughs> Scottish and you can tell from my accent, I grew up in, I grew up in the Southeast of England and um, yeah, I mean, the London tech scene is fantastic and uh, whilst I'm very passionate about what's going on up here in Scotland, uh, London is, is absolutely awesome and the innovation of that, and it feels like a new unicorn is coming out every week of uh, the London tech scene, so you know, it, it's it's so it, it's I can't believe I'm even saying this, but on the global scale, I genuinely think the London tech scene is underrated. People think of it as a finance city, but talk is being passed. It's it's really good because you've got the mix of like startups, SMEs, you've got scale ups, you've got like the large organisations, uh, like for example, Mastercard. There's definitely some very cool, innovative startups uh, coming up out of scene. You've got people like Monzo, obviously in scale up um, and things like that. So yeah, pretty cool down there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and what what about when you're uh, when you're actually getting down to a bit of code? Uh, are you what kind of music or audio in general do you like to listen to? What was the last thing you sort of played? So, despite working in podcasting in a previous uh, job, I still am a music fan, definitely for for working. Um, I'm definitely more of a noughties fan, I would say, or like late nineties. Um, mm. Or I do like sort of alternative sort of stuff that's more modern. Uh, the last time I listened to actually was Set Adrift on Memory Bliss by PM Dawn, which is a great song. Nice. Yeah, I, I've been um, I've been fluctuating uh, fluctuating uh, a lot uh, with my music while I'm coding uh, recently. I, I don't know. It's it sometimes um, sometimes I need different stuff each day uh, to concentrate. And today it was heavy metal, which isn't usual for me. Usually it's like <laughs> um, electronic, lower key stuff. I think maybe. Uh, I mean, I had a monster earlier today, so maybe that was the culprit, but I was feeling quite fired up to code. I had a very productive day, actually. Uh, so maybe that's the key. You drink a shotgun and monster and listen to heavy metal all day. I think music can, you know, change your productivity because if you're listening to like awful songs, you just sort of mood dips. And then, you know, you're like thinking of, God, I want to change this song. So I think like good music. Uh, I think some people I've seen have got like strategic playlists, you know, where mm. it goes like have like, really good songs and then goes slightly low ones and then up so they're constantly in that sort of high low like good song kind of thing which is quite yeah interesting. i wonder if you could have the 25 minute on 20 uh five minute off um system via a music playlist that's something i've got to try out uh on uh on spotify um it'll be a cool feature to sort of build in almost have a have a like uh coding calm music for 25 minutes and then something more upbeat for your five minutes to go and get your glass of water and all the rest of it and take your eyes away from the screen and any um we haven't really talked too much shop yet but any aspiring developers like take that five minutes um one Definitely. save your eyesight because my eyesight has deteriorated like nothing else over the last few years uh, and also yeah uh and also too as well you 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 can't commit everything to memory in in uh without without taking small breaks so um supercharge yourself uh treat the brain like a muscle uh and uh take, take a break every now and again um yeah, uh, enough of me preaching uh, to, <laughs> to the aspiring devs. Would you say you're a uh, an early riser or a night owl? I'm an early riser. I go to bed quite early at about nine, ten o'clock ish. So, but I'm up at like half five, six ish. So, yeah, I'm definitely early riser. <laughs> I'm feeling guilty. Like I, I consider it early rising if I'm up at half seven. <laughs> Work from home is the culprit. I said you might when when you get down to London, you must be getting up early because you do it daily sometimes, right? Yeah, so, uh, well, no, so I, I do travel over the night before and then stay down. Uh, okay. uh, I'm yeah. not that mad. I, I don't do a yeah, four I was hours say. before a <laughs> nine o'clock start. That would absolutely take me, take me out. Um, 
No, yeah, I do have to get, I think when I was getting up in, staying in London, I think I was leaving at like 20 past seven, 25 past seven in the morning, mm. which isn't bad. Uh, I've done, uh, I've left a lot early in the house with previous jobs, so it, it doesn't particularly bother me to be completely honest. Fair enough. And uh, what about coffee or tea? I don't drink coffee or tea. I am a water only guy. Um, I don't like drink anything else, alcohol or anything like that. I'm quite strange. Uh, just water for me. Somehow it, must it, be it the, works. The, the, the dentist's favourite patient, surely. Uh, tell, tell me you haven't had any <laughs> dental issues because, I mean, that is, you don't deserve any if you're being that disciplined. Fair play to you. Yeah, I haven't had any, which is pretty good. My dentist does like me, so I would like to keep it that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, keep, keep the bills down for sure. Um, that's pretty impressive, though. Uh, only uh, only keeping on water. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm pretty jealous. I have to say, like, I need to uh, need to kick my um, need to kick my flavored uh, sparkling water. Like, uh, what's it called? Um, seltzer uh, addiction um, for the uh, the fizzy waters during the day. Um, they uh, keep me going. Um, what what about? I mean, I kind of know what job you wanted as a kid because that's the next question. Because you were actually a kid when you messaged me uh, for the first time asking about DevOps roles, but pre-devops and pre-code what did you want um to do when you were a kid quite interesting this i wanted to be an air ambulance paramedic mm. so quite a different thing compared to it when i was uh, a kid and in primary school um there was a um, a tv show on bbc one or two it was like at nine o'clock so i used to record it on sky and then obviously get yeah. in from school and watch it then um it was called helicopter heroes so for those that don't know who it is it was about a TV show dedicated to the ambulance, uh, Yorkshire Ambulance, which obviously is an incredible thing. Uh, I've got a lot of family in the emergency services, so obviously as a kid, I was quite heavily sort of involved in, in that kind of thing and used to like that kind of thing. So I used to love watching the show because it was just incredible watching the helicopter. There was two, there was Helimed 99 and Helimed 98. So I still remember it to this day. Um, and they used to like, you know, come and come down, rescue people and save people and take them back up. I just found it absolutely fascinating. So as a kid, I thought, right, I want to be an air ambulance paramedic. It was like my dream job for a while. Um, but then I realised that I'm bad with dealing with things like blood and et cetera. So <laughs> I just moved into, um, you know, sort of the IT space. Uh, but it definitely did take my interest for a long while. Um, yeah. I was quite lucky that on um, where I went to school, actually their base, uh, their helicopter base was like around the corner. So I used to regularly see them flying across mm. uh, like over lunchtime and things. And I just used to sit in awe. Um, and also where I used to live, because um, I lived near a, a major hospital, uh, but it doesn't—it didn't have a landing pad at the time, so they used to land on our local like park field, um, mm. which is pretty cool. So I used to like be able to look out my window and things and and see them. So that was a definitely fun experience. Very nice. Yeah, I think working under pressure is uh, similar. With, uh, DevOps is probably the most under pressure job you can get in uh, in tech, like uh, close as you can get to being a technical surgeon almost. So. I kind of see the similarity there, even if it might not uh, might not appear uh, on the surface that's similar. So, I, I mean, we've, we've talked around DevOps, um, but I guess we didn't actually fully really talk about um, how you got into it. Uh, so how did your journey into, uh, into DevOps start? It's quite an interesting one. So when I was in secondary school, so uh, recently turned 16, just done my GCSEs, I wanted to go into YT, so I was looking for more general SWE uh type roles i wasn't looking at the time i didn't know what devops is um and you know sort of going for apprenticeships in that kind of space etc and then just after i finished school i got a week's uh work experience uh at quite a large um consultancy firm called pa consulting um they're absolutely an amazing company and they really really opened my eyes especially when i shadowed one of the people in cyber because i was also considering cyber and they had a, a really good pen testing department and while i was there I mean, cyber is great, and a lot of people, especially my age, want to go into it because it's super cool kind of thing. Um, but what people don't realize is that you're not sat hacking things all day. You, you <laughs> need money doing paperwork ninety percent of the time. And while that didn't bother me, um, you know, while I was there, and I was showing this person who was doing a project on Microsoft Azure, and I was like, "What's this? What's the cloud?" It was like a huge, you know, fascinating concept to me, and it just absolutely intrigued me. It took my interest, and I basically could not stop you know as soon as I got home from from that day I just could not stop on like my iPad that evening looking at like Azure and cloud and watching videos and things it just really really took my interest I'm like this is just amazing because you can 
you know, the cloud brings so much benefits and so does DevOps. Um, so that's how I sort of first heard the term. And then, um, so after that, I was trying to look for my first role. So uh, I was quite lucky that I did secure my first sort of internship and things. I worked for a very small um, SME, had like three employees or whatever, and they did DevOps on quite a basic level. So I did sort of gain initial insight. And then in the meantime, uh, while I was looking for a role, I emailed this one company in Wales because, uh, you know, I do quite like emailing people. It is a bit of a, a thing from, from my standpoint. And, um, you know, asking them if they have any jobs going or whatever. and um this like person responded to me um you know who was amazing it was um a lady called sophie canning and you know she sort of instead of sorry you know we don't have anything going but we'd love to you know uh do something with you know do something with you or help you and support you so um you know and which was very very kindly appreciated so he put me in contact with the head of academy called james harvey who's an incredible bloke and um you know he sat down with me for an hour and talked through different options and you know, it was an incredible experience to gain from his insight. They didn't have to do that. You know, they could have just said, sorry, we don't have anything going. That's it. You know, like a lot of companies, but they took the time and effort to do that. And to me, I, you know, really, really appreciate it. And I still do to this day. Um, and, you know, after that, then they put me through um, a DevOps qualification, which, and, you know, they gave me at no cost, which was a huge thing. Um, and, you know, that initially very early in my career helped also my CV massively. And it was an amazing experience to do. Um, they were just currently launching it, so it was called the Foundation Certificate in DevOps. If you are considering DevOps in a career, um, I highly recommend you take it. Um, it's a very, very good certification to do. There's an e-learning course, which is like 20 hours or something, and then you sit like BCS certification. They use like Pearson View, so quite similar to like AWS certifications and things like the same sort of format. Um, so I really enjoyed that, and I did that. And, um, you know, that sort of helped me that when my internship finished, um, I then sort of joined college, so I went to college and did an IT course, which was all right. College is good, um, but in the end, I only stayed there a year because while it was interesting, you know, we weren't sort of learning modern things, and I definitely am a worker as much as I'm a bit of a learner. You know, do prefer, do prefer being in the workplace. While I was at college, um, you had to do like a an internship, which helped like your grades and things. Um, so I took this part-time internship with actually someone this is how important your network is because you know six months prior when I was looking for friendships I emailed a local company who was offering one and when I didn't get the job I then re-emailed them you know six months later when I was looking for an internship and you know, I knew the founder then and he was uh, a bloke called Mark Asquith who was probably one of the best people that I've had the chance to work with that guy is an absolute incredible genius and especially in the podcasting space he had a huge insight and they had an amazing team um, you know, and I was there, worked there two days a week, and it was an incredible experience. Um, and just before that, because that role started in January, and obviously me being me, I don't like not working. It drives me mad. You can ask anyone in my family. Um, so I worked for M&S for a few months as a Christmas temp, over, you know, just sort of gained customer service experience. And I definitely think that was a very, very valuable thing to do because I, I gained so much, you know, experience dealing with customers and things, which I, you know, then now bring into my more well, I'm not customer facing at the moment, but you know, what I mean, like continuing a technical role. Um, so, highly recommend retail. And I also actually saved up. I worked two months solid. I, so, I was at college 30 something hours a week, and then I worked from an S30 something hours a week. And, you know, including travel time, I do like 78 hour weeks. I saved up for two months and I bought my uh, first Mac, 16 inch MacBook Pro. It was like two and a half grand. And it was like this huge thing that I'd like done because then I could learn more devil things because at the time my current Mac was starting to struggle you know running like different things that was a huge achievement um you know that I did so I worked after that obviously I worked for this startup um called Rebel Base Media had a great time there and then sadly after six months it was since a six-month internship um due to COVID and uh, they didn't have space in the office they couldn't continue me being on it was a shame is what it is um and at the time college was finishing so I sort of moved on and then I went to started with my previous org, which is called Connected Data Solutions. Um, so originally hired as a software engineer, PHP. I hate software engineering. Um, so I sort of said, you know, when I was there, I was like, well, I don't hate it, but I just dislike coding. It, it honestly drives me mad. Um, so I'm more of an infrastructure person than a business person. So when I was there, 
you know, we were using this crippling infrastructure that was hosted privately off-prem. It was costing the company a fortune and it just got my nerves irritating. And we had this awful development process and we were using like VirtualBox and it took me like a week to get it sorted just because how shoddy it was done. So I'm like, right, I'm not having this. So when I came in um, quite early on, company had expressed interest in moving to AWS. So I'm like, right, let's do it. So, you know, I moved everything over to AWS for a while um, and I moved it all to serverless because I my previous org was quite penny-pinching. So, you know, I didn't have glorious budgets and things. In fact, I'd probably <laughs> spend more in the morning at MasterCard on, on AWS stuff than what my previous org spent in a year. And, you know, it was a huge challenge too because I learned so many things. It was absolute massive upskilling challenge. You know, I learned how to do the cloud migration like the business side. I convinced senior managers. Um, you know, it was a huge valuable insight. And I currently use it as case study, um, you know, talk about different things. In fact, I'm talking at an event next week all about it. And again, huge, huge, sorry, huge insight into how, you know, small businesses, the struggles that they face when moving to the cloud. And, you know, I can see sort of issues around it. That's why I'm you know, trying to advocate to do that. Um, but then after a while of doing that, you know, they would, you know, it think was starting to stagnate. I was coming less interested. Company wasn't doing particularly well financially. Um, so I just decided to move on. Um, and then I, you know, joined MasterCard and it was a huge difference in experience because when I first started in my career, I was really struggling to get a job. No one would hire me. Who would, you know, who'd want to hire a 16 year old from Barnsley, right? With very little experience. And then all of a sudden, after, you know, earlier this year, I went from like, you know, previously having like two, three interview offers to getting like 50, 60. It was incredible. I had offers coming out my ears and I had like interviews at Facebook and I had two job offers from Microsoft. It was incredibly surreal. Um, you know, and then um, I joined MasterCard, which was a huge, which is a huge organization. Um, you know, I absolutely love my job. Um, I'm currently working a DevOps engineer and I was actually, this is actually my first proper full-time only DevOps role. You know, it's not like, I've been hired under a different role and ended up not really doing it and doing just DevOps stuff. Um, and it's been an incredible experience. You know, I work in London. I live in Barnsley. Um, you know, it's surreal to think that an 18-year-old from South Yorkshire, um, you know, now works for a huge global company like MasterCard on a very good wage. Um, you know, my income over the past two years has gone up nine times, for example. Um, which is incredible. And, you know, even now I'm still getting daily heckled on LinkedIn, um, you know, people trying to interview me and things. And it's just an incredible experience going from you know, no one wanting to touch me to you now I'm like, you know, people trying to, but they can't because <laughs> obviously I'm busy. So, uh, you know, I'm taking it at the moment. Yeah, it's quite, it's been a very interesting journey. It's had its ups and downs. There's been times where, I've struggled, you know, thinking, what am I going to do? Should I do this? Should I do that? Um, you know, and then now it's come quite positive. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I think what people can take from that is just how <laughs> you really make your own opportunities in this industry. It's a pretty democratic one. And um, I think it just goes to show, you know, if people listening that may be worried they're too young, uh, they can't make an impact. Like, the worst you could, the worst someone can say if you ask for something is no. That's something for me I learned doing sales. And I think it's something that people don't necessarily get in tech because there's less of the people relation side of things. It just, you know, if you're if you're young, if you're in sick form or, or university, ju- just email like some local companies that you're interested in working for. Like, um, because chances are, even if someone hasn't got something to offer you necessarily, when when you emailed me, I didn't have anything to offer you, but I was so impressed that I was like, right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep working with this guy and you know. Um, help him as much as I can. Um, I mean, you're definitely at the point where you don't need my help <laughs> uh, that, these days. But um, yeah, <laughs> no. But the, the point is, is that we we stayed in contact, and that now I'm, you know, I'm going on your podcast and things, and yeah, you know, I've seen you sort of grow as a de- developer as well. And networking is absolutely key because I've spoken to people two years ago, like, sorry, no, but keep in touch, and then you know, like a year and a half, two years later, I've emailed them and they're like, right, you know, yes, we do have a job for you. Or yes, you know, we can do this. Uh, networking is really, really important. And uh, quite annoyingly, they don't really teach it in schools. 
um you know kids these days are often quite addicted to social media so instead of you know scrolling down on instagram scroll on linkedin that's what i say um you know exactly you're making more use of your time um and you know especially people my own age are quite very good with social media um you know building their own brands and followers and things you know you can sort of replicate that more with linkedin you know build yourself as a brand you know make people want to hire you um you know or approach you and things it's like less often these days i'm doing the approaching it's more people approaching me um you know so we need to get to that point and you know make connections and speak to people and yeah and creating it's, a strong personal brand is just such a win-win in general it's a win for the organization you currently work for if there is one uh it's a win for yourself because obviously you're getting your name out there in the industry and it's a win for um for whoever you're helping uh, in terms of like your target audience, but then also as well, it's a win for whoever you're working with because most most um, most content is collaborative. Um, I, I find you know every podcast. I haven't done a solo podcast yet, uh, for example, and uh, it's you know I I wish I'd started this earlier. Uh, you know I, I felt confident enough to start it this year, but you're never too early to start, and the earlier you start, the better. You know the old the old adage, and I'm pretty sure I must have said this on the podcast at some point before, but I do like the saying is that the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago but the second best time is now um and you know ju- just start um i mean that can apply to so many things but whether it's coding creating content around code or even if you've just stumbled upon this uh and you have no interest in code but you want to do something else in life then just start it because you know you have nothing to be afraid of unless you're doing something ludicrously dangerous which hopefully you aren't exactly yeah it's just and as you mentioned earlier the worst thing they can do is say no um, you know, there's been plenty of jobs that I've applied for and been rejected, um, you know, and I've, I've tried again, still being rejected. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. And, um, you know, you just got to uh, maintain consistency and, you know, a no, a no in an interview doesn't mean a no in a year's time, right? You know, all, all organizations have like a cool down. Um, you know, people like to, when, when people say, please stay in touch in the future, they invariably mean it. Like, unless you insulted someone in an interview, like they invariably mean let's stay in touch because, and it was something I looked at when I was a recruiter. I would look at maybe a candidate that failed the interview process a year ago. Chances are they've probably done some work and probably learned some lessons. And if you're a good technical professional, you will have taken lessons from your failures because everyone has them uh, and uh, become a better engineer um, that way. And chances are if, if a company reaches out to you, you, you will have improved. So uh, definitely as well, diarize things like I, um, I learned that in sales is you know, put down a contact for a year's time if you want to work with someone, whether it's a standard like job or whether it's you want to work for an organization or even you're pitching yourself to be on a podcast um, or something like that, which, uh, you know, that's something I'm I'm going to try and do some more um, to try and spread my personal brand, for instance, because, you know, it's uh, it's no secret that this is mostly something that is listened to by my own network, um, apart from uh, a loyal listener in Greece who listens every week. And I don't know who it is. Um, so shout out to you if you're in Greece. Uh, <laughs> um but yeah it's it, yeah it, it's one of those things you, you've just got to um put yourself out there and not be not be afraid of saying no and um yes that's easier said than done but it, it's a mindset and once you once you embrace it like you'll find that both your career and personal life will be much more rewarding and exciting and i mean we we've been talking devops a little bit um some people might not even be familiar what DevOps actually is. And what, how would you define DevOps for you at the moment? And what do you see as the future of the market? Because we painted a very nice picture of the world of DevOps. Uh, and, you know, everyone's probably thinking, like, what, what is this magical thing? How do I get into it? What's the future of it? So, so for you, Ethan, how would you define DevOps? What do you think the future holds? And if someone came up to you right now and being like, I want to be a DevOps engineer in 18 months professionally, what would you advise them to do? It's an interesting question. I often get asked this, and depending on when you speak to me, I may have a different answer. But <laughs> for me, DevOps is, you know, a lot of people focus on the technical side, but for me, it's heavily cultural-based. You know, you need to make sure that your team can work cross-functionally. And in every org that I have been that has implemented DevOps recently, because a lot of them have, including at MasterCard, they have seen huge, you know, increases of productivity within teams because they have implemented it so for example in my uh, mastercard i currently work as 150 people i think in like more ops side and 500 developers right and you know before they sort of implemented devops and that kind of ways of working each other each team rarely ever spoke but now we're constantly speaking to developers and it's made a huge difference because 
Uh, I don't work on production engineering, I work in non-production engineering. So we deal with like internal testing environments and things, and we can actually get their requirements straight from them and work with them on creating the best solution, which obviously, if they've got the correct testing environments and things, then they can become more productive. And I think it's a huge thing. So for me, DevOps is very much cultural, uh, sorry, cultural based, but also quite technical. Um, you know, using different tooling processes, you can, it's incredible to hear that I think some organizations like Just Eat, I think, who've got one of the sort of a flagship DevOps team, they're publishing. So they're like going from, um, I think they're doing something like six deployments a day. It's incredible. And, you know, some orgs are still like a month, you know, like one a month. And it's it's the wrong way of what, you know, if you're constantly pushing out features, you can be ahead of your competitors. You can be, you know, impressing your customers. Um, you know, a lot of DevOps is about reducing downtime and things and making sure that you're heavily automating things. Yes, you know, you could argue that it's taking away certain people's jobs, but it is creating jobs in other space because you're always going to be automated. There's always going to be things to do, um, you know, and it just takes a lot of the pain away. Um, you know, a lot of headaches for operations teams as well as development teams because they're not having to, you know, shout at, you know, so uh, operations teams saying, right, I need this doing, but operations like, no, because it's going to take me eight hours. But now if you have the, you know, fancy fancy CICD pipeline, you can get it done very quickly. It's all automated and it saves everyone headaches. You keep development teams happy, operations teams happy, and more importantly, the people above you happy. Um, so that's, um, you know, a big thing. Um, I think DevOps is going places. It's been around 10 years now, uh, a bit longer than that. The majority of companies, from what I've seen, um, have started implementing it from like 2014, 2015, you know, getting more professional about it. And there's so many newish cool tools coming to the market. But like people don't realize that Kubernetes is only like six years old. Like Kubernetes is a massively widely used tool, even in the enterprise space, government or whatever. And you know, it's only yeah, the, the government use it massively. Every single job oh, yeah, advertisement yeah. for the UK government and the civil service, I, I, I see that they're, they're obviously embracing it very well, which is good to see. It's gone through so many stages in its life cycle that you know it's developed so much as a product and you know increased support and things. And a lot of companies are using it. It's great to see for such a product so young. Um, a lot of other products like HashiCorp isn't that old either, Jenkins isn't that old, and they're so widely used, you know. In, the FTSE 500 companies all the way down to your local, you know, web dev shop. And it's such an amazing thing to see. Um, I think DevOps is, you know, increasing. Um, you know, some organizations are starting to steer away from it. And, you know, well, not steer away from it, but the, a lot of job postings now, you'll see they're calling themselves SREs, which is obviously Google's way of working, which if you haven't read the Google SRE handbook, I think it's called, it's an incredible read, definitely worth your time. Um, I think a lot of orgs are trying to, oh, well, Google are doing it. Let, you know, let's do it as well. Soften the uh, way. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Very similar to the uh, Spotify DevOps model. There's a great YouTube video on that. I highly recommend you watch that. And Netflix, obviously, they're quite pop, uh, famous for their chaos engineering, um, which is like how they like, you know, test and make sure their services are, are, you know, 100% uptime. Again, incredible YouTube video. I highly recommend you watch that. I think. One of their engineers also did a reInvent talk, um, which is very insightful. So it, it's going places. The DevOps market is hotter than anything. And, you know, very few people, you know, younger people, for example, my age, have heard about DevOps. You know, you will struggle to find someone, um, you know, starting out in the industry who know what it know what it is. Because obviously when people think of IT, they think of what from what I typically find support, uh, you know, software engineering or like networking type of roles um, or cyber. And, you know, in schools, obviously, I haven't found a school yet that, uh, you know, is talking about DevOps. And, you know, a lot of schools are pushing SWN things, a lot of university courses, uh, um, you know, geared towards software engineering. And it's the same with a few universities are starting to launch cloud degrees now. You can do a cloud computing degree, I think, at uh, Coventry University and things. They've partnered with AWS, I think. Lancaster off the top of my head has done an MSc with Microsoft, I think, got an MSc the other day. So they're definitely working in that sort of direction. Um, but what you also find is is that within the software engineering space is that because so many people are now wanting to do it, especially in the junior level, um, you know, everyone wants to go for that 
SWE jobs that the market has become a bit overinflated in the sort of very early stages. On, I mean, obviously finding a good dev with a few years experience is still a very difficult task but in the DevOps space. But then again, there's more SWE opportunities in the DevOps space, you know, where even more harder to find. Um, and it was quite funny, I think. Uh, the best ever recruitment message I've received is that the, this this was a few months ago now, but this this one person reached out and said, "I'm so stressed trying to find a DevOps engineer. Will you please <laughs> say yes?" You know, it was, because it, it's it's so hard, and you know, even with two years experience, I'm you know getting top offers and things, and you know, quite large sums of money. I probably would because I'm in the DevOps space. Probably wouldn't be that case if I was in SWE um you know devops is obviously hot it's hot market and because a lot of the tools are newer um you know you can get away with if i've got three years experience in kubernetes for example that's considered quite senior because kubernetes is only six years old and you know majority of people have only started using it in the past few years so having three years is quite senior but say if you use like uh c sharp or .net or something obviously that's been going 20 years so someone with three years experience in that isn't that quite senior so obviously you can't go for more senior roles in, in that sort of essence um so it's a very interesting uh market you know there's a huge shortage of good devops engineers and you know companies have tried to recruit and retrain you'll see a lot of developers now retraining moving into the devops space uh, especially if you've done a lot of back-end work and sadly a lot of companies aren't focusing on junior recruitment or early years recruitment within DevOps, you will really struggle to find um, in a lot of orgs than wanting people zero to one years. Like as soon as you've hit the 18 months, two years, I'm like, you're off like a rocket. You know, It's I mean? often the way with software much. engineering as well. <laughs> like it's, it's funny. It's literally the 18 month mark. I, honestly, I, I swear the, the, the day I hit 18 months experience commercially, my LinkedIn inbox was never the same. <laughs> exactly it's it's a weird experience um and you know there's some amazing talent and you know engineers early on you know early on in the career and a lot of people you know well a lot a lot of companies sort of miss on that uh, which is a shame because if there's a huge shortage you know the only way to decrease the shortage is train people up and companies don't realize that um and the companies that do end up training up people they end up leaving because obviously after the 18 month mark, you know, better opportunities have come. Um, so it's quite an interesting thing. Yeah, I mean, we're, it's interesting you touch on the early years kind of stuff. Um, I mean, obviously for you, you're, you're part of the generation um, that is now uh, apprentice, um, apprentice, apprenticeships, sorry, uh, <laughs> are, now, um, are now back in fashion. When I left school, um, it was unless you were going into the trade, so stuff like plumbing, building, um, being an electrician, um, it wasn't really something that was an option. Whereas now, which I'm a big fan of personally as an outsider who hasn't done it, um, there are a lot more um, apprenticeships being offered. Um, w- would you would you recommend um, to people to go down that um, go down that path? Uh, is there anything you would have done differently, um, not just within DevOps, but imagining if you um, if you were uh, doing software engineering um, or just generally in any technical role? It, it's an interesting one. I think apprenticeships are at a weird stage. You know, a, a lot of stigma regarding apprenticeships has obviously you know decreased. A lot more people are now considering them, because um, as you mentioned, you know, previously a lot of people. And we did apprenticeships if you're going into the trades and things, and people obviously had a negative persona about that, which is wrong because they are very, very yeah. valuable. It's a stupid idea in the UK that we have. Uh, I say we, like exactly. obviously neither of us think it, but uh, yeah, the, the funny thing is, um, growing up being told, oh, you know, if you don't work hard in school, you'll be a builder. Chances are the person that told you that doesn't make as much money as the builder down the road. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I'm renovating a house at the minute, and you'd be quite quite surprised what tradesmen can charge. I mean, my sandblasters, uh, I've just had my. Um, basement sandblasted and that was like six fifty seven hundred a day for sandblasters i mean it's good money um, <laughs> lot, still going to tech know. still going to tech if you listen to this podcast oh, yeah, yeah. but <laughs> if tech isn't for you i wouldn't recommend the trades enough like it, it's, it's a yeah it's it's a good it's a good opportunity and uk needs to be i think we could take a uh without getting political we could take a leaf out of germany's book in terms of social attitudes towards the trades because uh you know they, they do it well and they're they're very good professions to get into yeah, definitely. So uh, apprenticeships are an interesting one. I think they've got to a stage now where obviously a lot more companies taking them on. I do think that they do need reform in a sense um, because 
to me, a lot of the best friendships are with, you know, big companies because you're likely to be hired with, well, look at it this way. If you're a 16 to 18 year old, so you've either left secondary school or, or college, for example, and you've got very, very little work experience and, you know, you're going in, you know, taking on an apprenticeship, say you've got one and you now experience the working world. A lot of them haven't got experience working a nine to five job or, you know, being in an office environment and, um, you know, things are constantly changing for them. It'd be quite an overwhelming experience for a lot of people, especially if they haven't worked before. So, you know, for example, a lot of larger orgs, they're not expecting them to be like fully functioning team members within like a month, right? Well, you know, some some SMEs, um, you know, like we want someone working fully up to scratch in like a week or something, which obviously is the wrong mindset to have because uh, these larger orgs, they put them on like training programs. They do, I think a lot of them do like the first week, like welcome events, get to know people because a lot of it, especially a lot of young people and things often have like anxiety, et cetera. And when you're going into a workplace, it can be quite a surreal experience. So, you know, being able to calm that is definitely a, a big thing. Um, often, you know, large companies treat their apprentices better and more, you know, flexible, they often pay them better. Uh, a lot of SMEs that I've seen, there's two different types. So there's your small business who actually want to train and, you know, train their next generation of employees, you know, family-run businesses and things. When they take on an apprentice, they actually want to train that person up and treat them like a member of their business, you know, not just for cheaper labor. And I've seen In, in the real side, traditional sense of being an apprentice, exactly. of what it would have been 100 years ago. Yeah, you know, I mean, training them up, treating them right, you know, exactly being accommodating. And, you know, if you join the right small business, uh, you know, early on in your career, it can be a huge advantage. But then you've got the other side of small businesses who just want cheap labor. And that's an awful thing to say, but it's true. You know, why hire a junior when you can have an apprentice on half the salary? And while, you know, for me, if you're going to take on an apprentice, you need the mindset of, you want to train them up. You want them to be the next generation of business. You want to give them experiences, you know, not just expect them to be a fully functioning team member within a week. If you've got that mindset, you should not be hiring an apprentice. Um, and, you know, while I don't blame businesses for doing it, um, you know, it isn't often helped by these apprenticeship uh, companies. So for those of you who don't know, when you're doing apprenticeship, it's often contracted through a training provider. Um, so there's three often types of universities. So if you're doing a degree apprenticeship, you know, like for example, Sheffield Ham University or Warwick University, um, to name a few. And then you've got your local colleges. So your local FE or further education college. Um, and then you've got these training companies. So when you take on an apprenticeship, the government gives you funding, uh, you know, for, I think, so for example, your level six with degree apprenticeship, universities can charge 26,000 a year to the uh, DFE, Department of Education. Um, if you're doing level three course, you know, they can surprisingly charge, I think, 16,000, which to me is a lot of money for a one-year course. And if you go to a college, you know, you're often there, they often have it set, if you go to a further education college, you're often set there one day a week, you know, so you're gaining that still that college sort of experience life if you didn't go there, um, you know, and you're gaining sort of proper training with teachers uh, often who are quite qualified. But if you go to one of these apprenticeship companies, they often you barely actually see them. They, you know, they just try and hire as many people as they can, as many businesses and so that they can gain the funding. I sort of view it as a factory in a sense. Some of them are better than others, um, you know, but they you only ever go see them once a month and they put too much pressure on the employer to do all the training, which technically they should be doing, which is the wrong mindset because if you're 16, 17, 18 and your training provider is messing you around and your boss is going, well, they're not really training you and I'm not training you. You're then in an awkward position. And I've seen it happen to plenty of people, including my own friends. They've lost their own jobs. You know what I mean? Like they've gone through all this entire thing of apprenticeship or whatever. And then they've had a bad experience that they've had to leave or they've quit or they've been fired or they've been pressured to leave. And it can be a huge damaging thing to a young person. I definitely think it needs revoking. These training providers, you know, so for example, if a college is charging uh, give you an example, 16000 for a course, but actually to run the course that individual, it costs them 10000 an individual. That's £6,000 extra uh, yep. funding that they've got 
is actually you know going into the rest of the college and being you know refunded in kits and things and if you give it to a training provider you're often giving a less experience to a college it's just lining someone else's profits and mm. while that's quite controversial um you know these training companies are now becoming businesses give an example one of them which is quite well known multiverse uh, they are a very good apprenticeship company and i'm the places like multiverse you know they're a very well regarded apprenticeship company and they've done a lot of things especially with the uk government um you know increasing apprenticeships and i you know well done to them uh, they've done a good job and they run some of the better training programs within the industry and it's run by a person called june blair who's actually tony blair's son who is a ex-prime minister in the uk and while they're a great company they now you know they run it like a proper full business. Um, you know, they've just raised 130 million in Series C funding. They're true, you know. So, to me, when you're training young people, um, you know, for me as a government, I would make sure because end of the day, it's taxpayers' money. You know, I would make sure that it's going to colleges because they're going to actually use it correctly. And colleges are often held to a much higher standard. They're actually using trained teachers because when I did uh, start an apprenticeship um, with one of these companies. Um, you know, they weren't using trained people, you know, they didn't have teaching qualifications and things. Um, and, you know, all these profit basically going, it's, di- you know, dictating what shareholders are thinking. And that is the wrong mindset for training young people. It should not be, you know, profits before training. It should be sort of training, giving them the best experience and the best start. And it's same with more colleges and things. They do a lot more betting on the employers uh, that you're working for, same with universities. Um, for example, um, you know, when I looked at Sheffield Hallam University and it, I went there briefly, um, you know, they did like a, a quite a well-regarded check on my employer, um, you know, which is really, really good. These other companies don't. So when I joined, uh, so when I worked in that internship, I did technically start an apprenticeship. But it didn't end up working out because they failed to properly vet the company. So when I actually joined and started, they couldn't actually provide the apprenticeship because what they didn't realize is that the company couldn't provide um, like the code snippets to actually gain the qualification because my boss didn't want to, um, you know, for uh, compliance reasons and things. But obviously they didn't check and they severely oversold me. But as a 16, you're very, you know, inexperienced 16 year old, I just listened to what they said. Obviously I'm much more wiser to the fact now, um, but it, it is an issue and a lot of people fall trapped for it and then they're stuck in these awful, you know, organisations, which is just wrong. Um, so I definitely think apprenticeships as a whole needs reforming. And if you do want to do apprenticeship, I highly recommend them. But make sure you vet your company, make sure you vet your training provider and make sure you go for, you know, a well-regarded one, not just mm. anything. Absolutely. And um, to segue a little bit, make sure that you uh, network with other young professionals and potential mentors as well. And I think you have something you could uh, help with that. Uh, <laughs> it's the news that literally came out uh, this morning while we're recording um, about what you've um, about what you've set up, which is very exciting. Definitely. So um, for those who haven't seen my LinkedIn post uh, yesterday, I launched Young DevOps, uh, which is a community. As I mentioned, you know, throughout this podcast, I've had quite an interesting and varying career, and I've been very lucky that I've had some amazing mentors and experiences. But not everyone gets that opportunity. And similar to the apprenticeship thing, you know, a lot of people don't realise what's out there in the world, you know, in the wider community or the wider DevOps industry. So I want to try and help, you know, change that and promote, you know, different things and help train people and launch their careers and accelerate their careers. Um, so I've had the idea for a few months now and it's gone through different phases. Um, so what I've initially done is, is I've just launched um, like a sort of a basic form at the minute. So uh, Discord, I've got a Twitter account set up and a LinkedIn page. And you know, everyone who's listening to the podcast is more than welcome to join the Discord and have a look. Links through. in the description. Yep. Links in the description. Um, you know, and so I had plenty of ideas. I'm thinking of launching a Twitch channel. I was doing in-person events and things. But what I've decided is, is that if I want to make this community effective and actually get people interested and see, I want to listen to what people want from the community and help that shape, you know, it, its way forward. Because I could just blankly go out and say, right, we're streaming things on Twitch. Well, some people may, you know, majority of the community may hate Twitch or, you know, that, that kind of thing. So um, I want to try and help shape it so that people can enjoy the community. 
And luckily, I've gained a really good network and there's some incredible people who have followed me on LinkedIn or I am connected with who have offered to provide help and things. I've got some amazing um, conversations in the next few days with a few people. You know, there's going to be some interesting things happening with it. And I'm super excited about it. And I want, the whole reason why I launched this community is that I want to give back to the community and I want people who are early in their DevOps career, you know, to have these opportunities that I've had. And, you know, not everybody is as confident to start blanketly emailing people or speak <laughs> at events and things. And it, it's true, a lot of people aren't. So, you know, I can help, you know, do that and, and help people, you know, if I, you know, for example, find these events and different things and I just post Discord and people can join, you know, they're not having to go through the steps of trying to find it themselves and things, which obviously is a blocker for some people. Um, you know, same with mentoring. Yeah, I'm going to hopefully provide a space where, People can ask for mentoring or mentorees, you know, can um, say that they're willing to help at X amount of people. So I don't know, you know, a bit of time each week or something like that. So I want to try and create a, you know, diverse space and things that people can join and experience it. Cool. Right. Yeah, good good on you, mate. Good on you. It's it's great to see someone uh, you know, give give back this early in their career. So um you're doing a great thing. And as I as I previously mentioned, all the links will be in the description and um yeah i definitely urge anyone who wants to get stuck into devops to join ethan's community because there will be a lot of good things happening i'm looking forward to uh looking forward to seeing it so yeah i i mean i, I just to wrap up really i just want to say a massive thank you um for coming on this evening ethan i think a lot of people will get value from this and devops is one of those industries um that's somewhat shrouded in mystery to outsiders despite the high earning potential the high growth uh of the sector so I think you definitely cleared up um, some of the some of the fog around it for people. So, um, you know, I think people get a lot of value out of this. And um, as I said, I'll, I'll, I'll pop all your details in the description for people to join your community and um, find out more. But um, yeah, it was an absolute pleasure having you on and looking forward to the next one, hopefully. Brilliant. Thank you very much for having me on. <laughs> I hope to see cool. people in the um, DevOps community. <laughs> Great stuff. And uh, thank you, listener, for listening to uh, the latest episode of the Coder Career uh, podcast. I will be doing a Q&A episode uh, in a few weeks' time. So any email questions you have, uh, either contact me on LinkedIn, link in the description, or email thecodercareer at gmail.com. Um, but until then, uh, this has been Cameron Blackford with Ethan Sumner um, for this week's episode of the Coder Career. Have a great week. Mm-hmm.